Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. sure when we were going to be able to do a show. And I wanted the kids to both wake up and make sure everybody was okay. No, we were sick or anything. Everything was good. Everybody was. And I was like, all right, you know what? We can do a show today. And we're going to do a show today. We'll do a show tomorrow. Because obviously 
And I felt like we needed to do a show today because there's so much going on. It's such a busy week. Um, and I'm glad we are because a lot of stuff has gone down this morning. And, and we would have had so much. It would have been hell trying to get through it all tomorrow. Um, so we have a lot to get to today. A very busy show. Uh, you know, postponing the show like this is not the way I want to start a Super Bowl week. We had a lot of things planned for yesterday. We had to kind of scrap them. And, um, I don't want to, and, and I don't want to start anything. I don't want to do certain things, start anything today. Because you can kind of, even though I think most people know we're doing the show today, to judge by the reactions and stuff that I'm getting, um, I'd rather, certain, you know, I'd rather launch some things and announce some things and do some things on the day to week so people know in advance because I want to advance. Monday into Friday. Obviously, we lost Monday. We're doing a special show today. Um, so, I, there are some things that we're going to hold back on, some things that we plan to do that maybe we're going to start or did yesterday. That we're not going to do today just because I feel like I want to do it after we're going to meet and we're going to have a show. So, just, you know, today we're, we're going to talk sports, some big things we're going to get into. That, and so, it's not like we're going to do some kind of weird, weird ass show, show today. But, but there are some things that we're going to do. Revolving around yesterday, and not because we lost yesterday, we're going to wait until tomorrow. tomorrow is Friday today. Okay? So just keep that in mind. The Instagram thing, we're going to start alongside yesterday's show. We'll probably wait on that until you know, tomorrow. Friday. I might even wait until Friday on that because I, I, I was already on the fence thinking maybe it's something you want to wait until later in the week. But, but we'll see. We'll have a couple of announcements. We've got some things coming up. So we got we got other things that we want to get to talk about and everything, but I want to do those on Brady's and all right, these are the scheduled days of the show. I don't want to do it, even though today I think we're going to be fine. People are going to tune in, they know about it. I went all over this morning. But it's not, this is not a show that we planned on having, so I'd rather wait to a show for a show that we did plan on having. So, that makes sense. So, some of the some things we're going to kind of hold back on, we'll do out the rest of the week. Um, but that does not mean we're not doing anything today, because there is a lot to Really, it's our, it's our, every day as it gets closer, it's a more routine. Well, the NFL, you know, and it's got to be just a, it's a nightmare because you, you, you hope and you dream that the focus will always be on the teams and the games. And they've been very fortunate, the NFL, for like the last you know, five, six, seven, eight years, it's been that way. Ever since the split game, ironically enough, there hasn't really been anything to take away the attention during Super Bowl week from the teams. Well, you know, they came into this week knowing about one major controversy they had. It's the Brian Flores loss and everything that brought up last week. But then, an old scandal from the past had been revisited and brought back to the surface. And, that, and, and, and that's the last scandal that kind of took the, uh, the attention away from the teams in the Super Bowl. So it's kind of ironic that, you know, that's what's come back to the surface here and brought it up. But now they got this. Two scandals, two controversies going on during Super Bowl. So, again, it's kind of like a worse nightmare scenario for the NFL. No sports team, no sports week wants this to happen around their playoffs or their championship. But that's the NFL's dealing with. They're going to be dealing with it. Ain't pretty. Um, we were going to open with the NFL today. And these controversies and how the NFL is dealing with it and everything that goes along with it. But, and it's unusual that anything knocked football, that knocked the NFL, um, off the top line, 
off the headline, right, or at off the opening segment. It's unusual during Super Bowl week for that to happen, but it has. Because in the last few hours, the NBA has gone crazy. And obviously, you know, look, the NBA trade deadline is this week, all right? Now, look, the Super Bowl is not usually this late. We know that. And, you know, Because it's crossing over with events that it's never crossed over with the Olympics and now the NBA trade deadline. And it's kind of short in February, too, so I kind of like it, personally. But anyway, anyway. You, you, you know, normally nobody would think that the NBA, anyway, even if a trade deadline, could take any attention away from the NFL this week. But it has. And it, it potentially could take more attention away. Oh, that's complex because there's rumors of more moves happening. And, and, and so, so, you know, I when I woke up today and I started doing the show today, and I thought I was going to open up the NFL, which I said, I had to scrap everything in the last 45 minutes because there's just too much going on in the NBA. Too much going on. And it could be set the stage for the, the biggest move, one of the biggest trades that we've ever seen in the trade in NBA history. Because Is moving. Not only James Harden, but Ben Simmons is doing the same deal. You don't see that kind of trade in the NBA. All right, I know people were close to last year with James Harden. Oh, he got moved a couple weeks ago. I don't understand it. But there was, but there was a special circumstances, right? He pretty much forced his way out. He forced their hand. Plus, remember, they had, we had a shortened off season, coming off the pandemic, shortened up uh, from the shortened season. Um, there, there wasn't a whole lot of time for a lot of moves to get done in the off season. So that's the reason why I think that. Happen. You don't see this happen. The NBA, in fact, in the NBA, you don't really see, you, you really don't see known players get traded. If anything, it's usually role players. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody, I don't say, it could be an all star, but you don't, you don't see a superstar, like the LeBron, you know, move, get moved. Like they get moved in the offseason if they get moved, because of signing trades and whatnot. That's when they get moved. You don't see, you don't see, in season, you just don't. Because you don't see one time all-star get moved in the season. There's not really a lot of, there's very little movement around the NBA trade season. There always is. I said this before, I'll say it again. That goes for pretty much all the sports. Baseball is really the only one that in season has like the most notable trade deadline. But that's changing this year for the NBA. Because we've had more, we've had a lot happen this morning. Now, the stuff before today, you already cares for her. Um, which I thought was a shock because you know the Pacers have not played bad this year. In fact, they were a team that you thought was going to blow up guys like Kerr, but that's only they made those deals. So Kerr was the Pacers and not um, a couple years ago. And a trade that ended up saving his life, to be honest, to be honest with you. Um, but Kerr's hurt by Kerr's cap, and you're sitting there thinking. Why would the, the why would the Pacers help the Cavs? The Cavs have already like, jumped ahead of them. I mean, the Cavs are what third in the East right now. They jumped ahead of so many teams that were called rebuilding. And the Pacers were thought to be well ahead, well ahead of the Pacers. I mean, of the Cavs, I mean, and some of these other teams. And now they fall behind. They seemingly have given up on what they were building for. Why do I say that? Because of what they did 
they got some decent pieces back. But, I mean, if you're a team that's on the precipice or you think is closing in on potential radio playoff team, You don't make the trades that you've made this week. You just don't. You don't trade Karis Revert. And you don't trade. You do not. Under any circumstances. Trade a guy or player. Like don't go with the woman. Nikola Djokovic is probably the best pure center, best pure post player in the NBA. But that's what the Pacers did today. And that betrayed that's really that there's two trades that are rocking the NBA right now today. Alright, yeah, the Karis Revert trade everybody's like, well, what are they doing? They're really you know, lining up with something else, right? Maybe there's something more to this. So let's not go crazy. But I came as a shock because I was like, Indiana, you know, I mean, I know they're not in the point. I mean, they're 19 and 36. That's not awful. You feel like they're building something in Indiana, right? Like they're building something in Indiana. But then you go into this and trade the bonus tonight. The Kings have been trying to be active. Pretty much this last offseason, trying you know, try to get in on the Ben Simmons deal, and you know maybe even get Will. I mean, there was a lot of things they were trying to get in on, in on. and they just couldn't seem to do it. Well, they finally got in on Cincinnati. They get a really, really good player, but they have to have to give, give up somebody too. And a lot of people thought one of the big things that they were going to do was take Aaron Fox to the Knicks. And we don't know will that still happen. Who knows? There's some connections there between maybe the Knicks trading Randall. We'll have to see if something gets done with it. That's a possibility. But they're after today and a six player trade. Two time all stars, Demonis Sabonis, went to the Kings for a package that includes guard Tyrese Halliburton, who's been really good for them. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people think they're going to make some of the moves they're going to make. But okay, you got Halliburton coming to his own, they're really good. They're passing the all around players. And everybody's thinking, all right, you got him, so maybe that's why they're willing to. Well, no, they trade Halliburton, which means I think they're going to probably keep the Aaron Fox, which are going to gut their team from, from start to finish and start all over again, kind of like the Pacers are doing. Which, again, frustrates fans because you, get, you, you bring in these players, you draft these players, you bring them along for two, three, four years, and just when you get to the point where they become the build around, you have a nucleus, a good solid core, then you start trading all and tearing it all down again. So I can't blame Pacer fans today. Great, you get Sabonis. Sabonis is a fantastic player, but you're 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 uh, you're getting rid of people around him. You're gonna be bad. You're gonna have the same situation you had before. You have a couple of good good players on the team, and you've done nothing to build around them. And then two three years, they'll be in the same cycle, and, and you're gonna trade these guys again. It's the kind of cycle of mediocrity. If you're gonna build it up, it has to pay off somewhere. We just have a few years where you're in the playoffs every year, like Portland did. You know. And we have that. Because if you don't have that, then you're just wasting your fans' time. They spent four, five, six years getting used to these players, buying into what you're doing, only for you to pull the rug up and say, ah, it was for nothing. We're going to start over again. 
That doesn't do anything for anybody. But I digress. The deal, Sabonis to the Kings for Pat, uh, for, um, along with, uh, in addition to Sabonis, a page office and Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holliday, and a 2027 second round pick in exchange for Tyree Halberton. Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. Buddy Heald, of course, if I mentioned a lot of trade deals. You mentioned the Ben Simmons trade deal over the summer. Um, he's, he's been a constant me me mention in, in a lot of deals. Okay? Uh, Buddy Heald, of course, played with the Indiana Hoosiers when he was in college. So that's definitely a turn back to Indiana for him. Um, so that's the deal. Um, and again, this is why I don't think they're going to get rid of De'Aaron Fox because we're trading Halberman, you know, again, to, you know, if it's, I, you think you're upgrading here, and you're like, all right, we're gonna keep Darren Fox by getting some bonus, and guys are left. Oh, we got some, we got some. We feel like we got some maneuverability. We got some more. We feel like we made ourselves a better team. And that's what you're gonna build around. That's fine. That, so, so, so that's my my guess is, you know, if, 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 if they don't trade Darren Fox, they made this deal thinking it makes them better. Which is, I guess, it's not. It's not like the bonus doesn't make you better. Uh, better with him. Um, but um, we'll have to see if that's what they do. Like because like I've been saying, there's been a lot of smoke around potentially Julius Randle, um, Julius Randle and De'Aaron Fox potentially being traded. Um, so we'll have to see if that materializes. That's something that's been rumored. Um, both players are in a lot of trade rumors, but this, that's the one that kind of keeps matching up. But, but really, you know, if any look, if, 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 if the Kings did this to make themselves better, then fine, I can deal with this. I don't understand why Indiana would do this. I think it's stuff for the fans. But I can understand why the Kings would do this. Because they've kind of stuck with these players for a long time. They're going to shake things up. Yeah. I mean, you get a player like Sabonis, who's a game changer. Their Fox is pretty, is pretty solid. Might go through inside outside, improve the role players a little bit, see what you can do. Maybe it gives you a little bit more maneuverability. You know? So I understand, I, I kind of understand from the team's perspective. You look at that. But if they go ahead and still trade the Aaron Fox, then I don't understand is then I would say, why don't you just trade Sabonis now? I'll save yourself the trouble and start completely from scratch. They're wasting too much time. You go and make this deal. Now, the Pacers. This deal clearly favors the Kings. So, if, if, if the Pacers are thinking, well, hey, we're only 19 and 36 of what we have, that's not good enough. We feel like we should make it more progress. And they feel like all avenues are, are covered, and they just feel like they don't have a lot of maneuverability. Then, you know, right now, what you would see is cutting people or maybe some of these pieces that they just acquired they use to trade for maybe picks and stuff. And then if they start to have a vision, I don't think it's At least if you have a vision, you have a vision, and guys, guys go somewhere here. But a shocking deal, a shocking deal. Because Sabonis is a very good player. He doesn't get a lot of attention, especially not having as much. He's getting even little, even um, more less attention, I should say. In Sacramento, nobody watches Sacramento. Sacramento, but they don't. At least Indiana, we want to get on TV. Sacramento, because of the West Coast, they barely get on TV. 
So this this to me is gonna it's gonna it's gonna hide a really good player even more than he's already been hitting. And that's not the only deal today. I want to I missed the deal that you know I I I I just don't get. I just don't get it for either team involved. Okay. I mean, look. I don't. The last deal we just talked about, I don't get for the Pacers. But at least they have a vision. I, I can wrap my mind. Okay, you have a vision. It's not the best deal for you, but whatever. And I get it from the Kings' perspective. If, if, assuming they keep Aaron Fox. But this next deal that happened today, I don't get for you, Seth. I just don't. And that deal is CJ McCollum, who has become so synonymous with Damian Lillard and the Paul Trailblazer. There are certain players in in, 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 in sports, you know, that they, they, they're, they're there for so long. And it might not, it, 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 it might not feel that, when you look at it, oh, it's not that many years, but it feels like longer. And it, it, it is become fixtures. And when you watch that team, you're like, oh, that's what I expect to see. And when you watch Portland, you expect to see the Indian Lord and you can see CJ McCall. They become so intertwined. And they become so synonymous with Portland over the years. The, the idea of not, and I, I know we've all known it was hard, but I think most of us thought Damian Lillard would be first and they trade CJ McCollum first in the aftermath. We all knew it was coming that this was coming to an end. Portland tried, you know, they just, they just never considered to get over the hump. We all knew it was coming, but I don't know if we expected it to go down the way it has. Alright? And, and like I said, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, they become so synonymous with Portland, it's hard to imagine them not being in Portland anymore. Or one of them not being in Portland anymore. That, that, that reality became a thing today. Because the Portland Trailblazers traded CJ McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, that's right. The New Orleans Pelicans, who, if you've been following over the last couple of weeks, have been really trying to be aggressive. They're trying to get put to get, go get some better players to put around Zion Williamson. Now, of course, Zion Williamson's been a mystery this year. He hasn't played a single game. Nobody really knows. But nobody really knows if he's going to play this year. Nobody really knows what's going on with him. So to me, I wouldn't be making, tra- I wouldn't be making trades for guys to come out and buy and we don't even know the guy's going to play. And there's already, there's already talk before this season of Zion being destroyed and not wanting to be there anymore because he didn't like the fact that he was committed to winning. I don't think Zion really wanted to ever go there. But that doesn't, shouldn't really come as a surprise, should it? We all know he probably had his heart set on the Knicks. We all know that. Thinking because of RJ Barrett going there, plus the Knicks really, 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 really wanted him. Knicks aren't buying himself, but I think he would have preferred to go. Oh, losing team probably preferred to go there. I think the guy likes the attention. But we don't know what the situation is now, but yeah, here's New Orleans trying to stockpile talent around him. Effort to try to keep him. Because I didn't think, no, he's not happy here. And then try to do something about it. But I wouldn't be making these moves and putting yourself in other holes to keep a guy that maybe has already made up his mind. And has already had an issue with conditioning and whatnot. But the Pelicans did it. We've been hearing for the rest of the weeks they were involved trying to get some talented people around Zion. Well, they make a big deal. And they acquired CJ McCollum from the Trailblazers. Uh, the Pelicans are sending guards Josh Hart, Thomas Sarensky, Mitchell Alexander Walker, and Didi Rosada in the deal. 
And the first round pick is number five, number to fourteen, protected for twenty twenty two. Well, for those who this year, the first round pick to the future for the Trailblazers. Portland is also sending forwards Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell to New Orleans. Um, obviously, this ends an era for the franchise. Blazers made the playoffs every season since the team drafted McCollum in twenty thirteen. A year after selecting Lillard, um, obviously they, they, you know, never really got over the hump. They made the playoffs. McCollum is averaging 20.5 points this year, 4.5 assists, and 4.3 rebounds. So he's a reliable backcourt option for him for long range. Um, so he's going to help him. He's been a shooter and a player. Uh, of course, I won't quote this year. There was a rumor that McCollum would be traded for Ben Simmons. We all wonder why the Sixers did not make that deal. Um, so we knew that McCollum was available. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing. Nobody really knows the I think Portland's down to, you know, I think Portland's not going to win and see how this year goes. Obviously, this year has not gone well for them. They see how competitive the league is, both the West and the East. And I think they realize, no, we're never going to be able to get over the hump. A lot of teams have passed us to try different things. It's time to move on. And they make this deal. But here's the thing I don't like about this deal. What did you get in this deal? I mean, it's a, tw- a guy that scored 20 points a game, a guy that's highly regarded. I mean, either, say what you want about Ben Simmons, and obviously there's a lot of issues there. But Ben Simmons is, 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 a, is a superior defender and uh, can do some things out on the wing, you know, to help you play off the ball. And if you attack the record, he's a, a fairly decent offensive player when he's at his head. Obviously, he's got Trying to keep Damian Lillard and build around him. Maybe what you do is you have a power to bring out a different crop of players. Maybe secure Lillard for the future and make your team better. Sometimes you. But instead, you make a deal which, in no way, shape, or form, no way, shape, or form 
benefits you. You did nothing but trade away one of the best players in your, fran in, in your franchise's history. One of the best players in your franchise's history, you just traded for nothing. What the heck is he staying for? There's no reason to stay. Your, your team, your, your, your organization makes a deal that bad? That bad? That's an awful deal. What are they thinking? There's no rhyme or reason to it. You want to rebuild, fine. Get draft picks. Get young, promising young players in the deal. You got nobody in this deal. Nobody. I'm not trying to disrespect the players involved. But at best, those are just quality role players. And you're not making deals for role players on a team that's not going to the playoffs. Who bloody cares? Uh, okay, you got to fill up roster spot. But you mean to tell me a, a guy that averages 20 and a half points a game is a perennial all-star, one of the best shooters in the NBA. And all you get is role players for him? Not even a, a bunch of draft picks? Not even a, a couple young, promising players? Screwing it up again. This is why some teams just don't ever get over the hump because you make dumb moves like this. This is a dumb move. You got to trade McCall, try to trade McCall. But get something decent back for me, whether it's draft pick young players or you decide to go, all right, you know what? We're trading McCollum, we're keeping Lillard, we're going to go out there and use McCollum to net us a, 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 a really good player, or a couple of really good players to put alongside Damian Lillard. There's no, what this was, you acted like CJ McCollum, you, you acted like you were staring at CJ McCollum, what you acted like. Awful deal. Awful deal. And for New Orleans, again, why are you trying? We have no clue. The guy is not playing a single game all season long. The guy can't keep himself healthy. He's got poor conditioning. You don't even know what his future is. You already heard rumors he was disgruntled before the season. You're worried about bringing people in? Around him? You think, I know this is respect to CJ McCall. I really do. He's number two. He's not number one. He's number two. And that now, if Zion is staying, that could work really well. Although, you know, good shooter and, 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 and good post players are not usually the match. You know, usually you have to get some kind of guy like, a, you know, like a, uh, more than just a shooter like Kobe or, or, you know, or LeBron or something. They're more than just a shooter. They do a lot more other things. And CJ can do those. CJ can do those things. He can do those things. But, but is that what you think when you think of CJ McCollum? Right? I, don't, I, I you, you could see Lillard and Zion being better chemistry-wise than McCollum and Zion. But it, it's a helpful piece, and, you know, Zion, maybe Zion say, hey, look, you got a 20.5-point score. That does help the team. It does. It's hard not to. But is this something that's going to really help? Is it going to really, you know, make the rotation go ahead and smooth that? I don't think it is.
It seems like just doing something for the sake of doing something. So see, look, we got Please stay. If you know what Zion's future is, you don't make these moves. You wait to make these moves until you know what his future is. Or that he's willing to stay. He might be, he might be, I don't care what you do. I'm not staying. We're trying to build our team into a championship. All right, so so you're trying to build your team into a championship level team. So what's the plan here? So DJ McCollum, we get a couple of role players in this deal. All right, that helps, but then where you go next? Because you need more than that. You got you got often injured Zion Williamson on the team. And like I said, I don't think a shooter or McCollum Zion Williamson is a match made in heaven. Inside outside, you have to have somebody that's a ball dominant player on the in, on the outside to match up with a ball dominant player on the inside, and that's not what CJ McCollum is. CJ McCollum is somebody that works off of your Think about the Boston Celtics big three. Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, right? You had the shooter and Ray Allen. The pure shooter and Ray Allen. You had Kevin Gar you had Kevin Garnett on the interior. Right? And you have Ball Diamond and Paul Pierce that could shoot the ball and kind of do everything. Shoot the ball, get to the rim, do everything, right? That's what you have. That balance, right? You think about um you think about the big three. In Miami, you had Bosch on the inside, LeBron that kind of can do back and go back and forth, ball down and guy go in and out, and you had Dwayne Wade who kind of go in and out and do all those things. Balance. You have that balance. McCollum's just a shooter. I that's not a knock on He's really good at what he does. He can score, but he's not attacked the rim cock all the time. He doesn't even do it. That's not what you think of him. I just don't see the dynamic really being But I just don't get this deal. I don't think this deal does much other than pay lip service to um, Zion and say, hey, see, we did something. We're committed to winning. Look, we went and got a 20 and a half game score for you. That ain't going to be enough. And that doesn't help you do anything beyond, 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 you know, making the playoffs as a lower tier seat. Oh, it does. Is that going to be enough for Zion? No. Now when he sees teams like the Bulls, you know, um, or the Cleveland Cavaliers getting good, getting good in a hurry and making smart, shrewd moves and getting something right back into contention within a year or two of each other. A, a, a year or two of, of doing something or bringing guys in. You look at how fast, look, that's the thing that you're seeing across the NBA. Look how, how fast some of these teams are getting. Look how fast Denver got good a couple years ago. How fast they caught the teams like this year. Look how fast the Bulls got good this year. The Hawks and Nixon last year, I don't know, it looks like it might be only, might be only a one-year type thing. But look how fast that thing's turned around for those teams. You're for one year. They at least give you some kind of idea of, of, of a vision and what to do.
Zion Williamson, guys like him around this week. I can't call him. Jeez, well, you know, rebuilds don't need to take three or four years. Just be smart, and you can turn around quick. So, if you think CJ McCollum is the key to that, I mean, it's, oh, it's a great deal. I mean, it's a great Don't get, don't get me wrong. But then you get him, like, all right, well, now what? We, we're still missing pieces here. And you honestly need a, a, a ball dominant player. But it's a forward guard, somebody. That's tough. To go along with a guy like a Zion. We need that kind of player. That can create his own shot and do a lot more than just, CJ McCollum is. He does a lot of things well. He does a lot of things well. He can obviously score. He's a great shooter, great teammate, great defense. I mean, he plays good defense. Can do a lot for you. He can. But you need more than that. And that's why I don't understand this. Like they swore by like that, it's like, all right, you know, we should understand you're a ball down the player. But if you don't do anything out here, this is all you do, then it's for naught because it's going to end up blowing in your face and you're going to be stuck with CJ McCollum and have to trade him to another team because you're going to have to, as soon as you get rid of Zion, you're admitting that you got to start all over again because Zion, the key to everything you're doing, Zion. That's what you're trying to do. That's what you're trying to do. So if you don't know what the situation is with Zion, if you don't know if he's staying or going, if you don't know if he can go out on the floor, and you also understand that the dynamic here is, is not going to be good enough. It's not the kind of dynamic that usually works out on its own. Then you don't make this deal. That's why I don't like this deal for either side. I don't get it from Portsmouth. You got nothing, nothing, no back here. Either from a, keep, a, a way to make the team better to keep Damian Lillard, draft picks and young talent to make ourselves better for the future. You got nothing out of it. And the New Orleans side of things, if you don't know what's going on with Zion, you don't make these deals. I'm sorry. I'm not worried about whether Zion is staying or going right now. I don't even know if you're playing a single game this season or not. So this, to me, just... A deal that just doesn't make much sense to me for either side right now. But, again, big players being moved here. I mean, I get that CJ McCollum and Ola Sabonis are, not, are, are really good players. They're all-star players. But they're, uh, and they're not on the level. I think we can agree. They're not on the level. Oh, but, you know, like, oh, Ron, James, James Harden, they're not those kind of players. They're not regarded as those kind of players. They can have their share of great games. They can get to all-star games. Right? But they're not on that level. They're not, you know, they're not those kind of players. They're not Giannis. They're not those kind of players. 
Now, knockout, they're a very good player, but they're not those kind of players. But like I said, I'm going to trade that. I'm not used to seeing really big names move. And today, we saw a couple big names move. And if you even told Karis Rivera, who's a player that we, I think most people would know. I mean, we're seeing some pretty sizable player movement here. And the biggest piece might yet be to, be to come. Because as we've been talking about over these last couple of weeks, you know, we've had this on, the ongoing Ben Simmons saga has shown signs they might be ending. Now, there's been signs both ways, right? There's been signs that you could think something that could happen. There's, some, there's something that could happen during this trade that, or they'll just wait again, wait and have him not play a single game the rest of the year, because that's going to happen if he isn't traded. And he gets moved in the offseason, like he should have been last year. So, there's signs going both ways, but there was growing sense that maybe this could get done back before the trade deadline. Why? Because it seemed like Philly thought there was a chance that the Nets were willing to move James Harden. Well, we talked about the James Harden rumors over the last couple of weeks, talking about his chronos, and now he's sitting, he's got a hamstring issue that apparently should have sit against tonight, which a lot of people wonder if he's struggling. Why would you, you know, is, I mean, is, if the hamstring thing is an issue, then why not just say last week, look, it's an issue and he's out? This game of day thing, it makes you wonder if the, if the reason he's doing this is because he's trying to get out. It, it, it kind of reminds you a little bit of what happened in Houston, only it's not being, it's, it's actually he's ugly because it took a lot of in the house. Now, over the weekend, Steve Nash said, there's no way that the, the Nets are trading James Harden. They committed here, you know, and, and that. There, it, nothing's going to happen until summer. Well, you hear that, and certainly, look, the Nets have said a lot of things this year. But you know that sometimes you just can't believe these teams. They're going to say whatever it is to keep, you know, because they don't, they, they, they want, they're trying to keep things in-house. You know, we, we've seen this game before. Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. Obviously, last week we talked about the you could tell... You can tell Harden's not comfortable being the guy right now. He doesn't like everything being out of, out of plate. You know, you notice how his KD went down and all seemed to blow up because then you realize, well, Kyrie Irving's not even here. In fact, here's an interesting statistic for you all. Kyrie Irving's only out to play about 10 more games this year. But it does not look like everybody was kind of that mandate to be with us in those days. Kyrie in the play, just going to go into the playoffs and Kyrie's not going to be able to play away games. I mean, home games in the playoffs. And if he goes into some other state in this, in this country that have mandates, he might not be able to play those games either. So again, okay, you'll have Kyrie. But think of this. Think of this. If you don't have Kevin Durant, which right now you don't, and if you have Kevin Durant, obviously... I think everybody's kosher because obviously, beginning of the year, obviously, the beginning of the year, when it was Harden and Durant, there was really didn't seem like there were too many problems. Only seems like when Kyrie came back as a part time player and Kevin Durant got hurt, that's when I, because James Harden was like, oh, it's all on me now. Remember, Harden had issues in the beginning part of the season. He wasn't playing like himself. A lot of people think that, you know, this goes back to last year with the injuries and all goes back to the you know, him trying to get out of Houston, being out of shape, and, you know, this is a guy that was always durable. He played through everything. He played almost every game. 
bow down proud. But it's clear, it's clear there's issues, right? But you know, that's the oh no, we we believe he's committed to you know Kyrie Irving's not taking the guy's word. Kyrie Irving the most least self-aware player in the NBA pretty much. But I mean again, yeah, go off. These are media plants that are telling you guys these things. No, Kyrie, the writing's on the wall. Take one look at James, you read between some of his comments that there's something going on with James Harden. Okay? So, stop with this, you know, media is making crap up crap. It's not, it, it, it hides behind it all the time and it's, it's, it's BS. But, it, it, look, we know something's going on. And I'm sorry, the Nets already made it, got kind of have egg on their face from throwing a line and saying that Kyrie's not going to be a part time player within a month taking that, taking that back. I, I know they went through COVID, you know, COVID situation, they had that the roster. Was the please, I get it. But if you're going to draw a hard line in the sand and, and go all in, go all in, all in, on, oh, he's not going to be a part time player. We're not, that's not the way we're going to do things here. And then a month later, take that back. It makes you, it, it makes it hard to believe a single damn thing you say as a franchise. It really does. And that's why when you sit there all weekend and say, oh, there's no way, there's no way that, you know, we were trading James Harden before the season, uh, during the trade deadline before the season. There's no way. I'm supposed to believe you. I wouldn't believe them anyway. Because the, the, the teams are like this all the time. They're going to deny this until it happens. And say, well, we got presented with a deal that we didn't expect to. And we as a deal that we felt would make the team better. And we had to do it. We felt like we had to do it. So they'll come up with that. But the, but I don't I never believe the box, especially not to believe it after what happened earlier. So no. now look, like I said, over the weekend the Nets were kind of playing damage control. We're not trading James Harden. It's not ha it's not happening. Please don't 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 you know he's he's here he's committed. Um, we're committed to winning a title. Obviously the Nets are going to what how a, 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 a losing streak here. Which is why everybody's like, you know, either James Harden really is badly hurt. And if that's the case, then why, you know, why are we playing this day-to-day -day game? Or he, he is, if he's not badly hurt, then he should be playing through this. Because they need him. They need him. The team is floundering right now. The rest of the East has caught up, and they're all passing them. They're the, I mean, you keep this up, I tell you what they keep saying, oh, Kevin Durant be back in March and everything. But still, you, you're not going to have Kyrie. Much longer, much longer. And is there any, is there any, is there a given that Kevin's going to be 100%? I mean, so, so there's a lot of uncertainty here. And, and by the time that you get to March, by the time, by the time that you get to March, there's a chance that you might be so far down that you've jeopardized so much of what you were trying to build. Either you might be in a playing situation, or you end up with such a bad seed that it screws up your, your potential play championship run. So to me, this is just dumb. Either you eat heart, for me, like very heart, which, okay, if he is, and you understand, it's not playing the day-to-day game, or you acknowledge he said it, they're going to say that. They're going to say that. Because it's Yeah, they are talking about training. And it's clear that they're talking about it because we're going to smoke this fire. These rumors keep coming up. These rumors would not keep coming up 
if you weren't trying, if you weren't, if you weren't thinking about training him or at least considering it. And I get it. I get that there was a phone call a couple weeks ago from Daryl Morley, the general man, the GM of the of the Philadelphia who has obviously a connection to Harden. We've been talking about that for weeks. And that the Nets shut them down at that point and said we're not going to do it. But as you get closer to the deadline, and as Harden sits there and it's clear that there's problems. Things can change, and I think things have changed. Because you hear all over social media that there's discussion of potential deals involving multiple teams. And I was telling people off the air about this. I never thought that there, there would be a deal where it's essentially Harden for Simmons straight up. I, I think it, I, I, knew, I, I thought it was clear Harden and Simmons and Spade should be talking in the Because of how kind of kept Simmons. Remember, that almost happened last year. But Simmons lost almost a part of that. But Philly tried for him. But I never thought it'd be a direct deal, like a one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one deal. I never thought it'd be that. Because I don't think either team wants to help each other directly because they're in the same thing, the same conference, in the division. So what do you do? You involve both? To make the deal look more complex, so it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like, oh, we help each other out. That, and you also look at it from the standpoint of, you want to feel like you've got enough for what you're giving up, right? And obviously, in the case of the Nets, you traded James Harden, you, I mean, Nets, you traded for James Harden, gave up a lot to get him. So you want to try to maybe get some, 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 uh, some assets back. Not just one asset, but multiple assets. In the case of Philly, they've obviously regarded Ben Simmons as as this, you know, obviously they've had a high regard for Ben Simmons. We've heard it since last summer where they've, they've been unreasonable to people and, and acting like he's worth more than he actually is. They're not going to have to do it. They're going to want a lot back in return. Because so by involving multiple teams, they can bring a, a much better package back. So that's why I always thought it made sense to get at least a third team involved. Maybe this could be even more than that, bigger deal. And the rumor going around social media right now is that there's a potential deal between the Nets, the Sixers, Pelicans, and Thunder. Uh, now, um, that was discussed. Right? That doesn't mean it's going to happen. It might have already been discussed and it's already been rejected. But apparently, in that particular framework of a deal, Harden, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons were part of it. There's also rumors that. Um, Danny Green and Maxi um, were a part of that deal too. Um, and I'm gonna be honest with you, if they put Maxi in that deal, and Maxi ends up coming to somehow to the Nets, then I'm sorry, that, that, that's doing the Nets a favor because they can let Kyrie walk. Maxi does a hell of a player, he's younger. Athletic, and I could see Maxi making the nuts even better, even better than they were than they are right now. I mean, you have a Maxi and Durant maybe go out and get maybe a third option that's kind of like maybe just uh, you know got kind of like a wing type. Oh, they, they Simmons, that would be, they, they would do it. S Sim Simmons, Maxi, and Durant could be really good. Could actually be really good. Especially with the role players the Nets already have, and they go get more role players in the other deals. This could really, really help. Really help the Nets. 
uh, you know, I talk about addition by subtraction. You know, in the future, you get rid of the, the two issues that are Harden and Irving. Build around Durant, get younger, more athletic. That could be a much better next team than what we have now. And, and if I'm filling, if you're So, 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 I, 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 I get it. You got MB, and you're really content to combine Harden and MB. I get that. People around them. If you're, go, if you're creating more holes to get James Harden, that's not helping you. When think about how well you're doing right now with just MB. A lot of it's because you got guys like Maxi and Tobias Harris. But to me, you're got, you're, you're got, if you've got it too much to get what you want, you're not solving any problems. What happened? Now, again, none of this is imminent. This is speculation that these deals, this, this deal like that was either discussed at one point and it's no longer happening or it's still being discussed and could still happen. We don't know. Trade deadline is Thursday. It's like 3 o'clock, I think. Still plenty of time. These deal, uh, now, if it's a multiple team deal and they don't have uh, enough momentum that come on and on, it's going to be hard to see it getting done because it's going to take too long. You have to have the general Now, for the straight up deal, you can certainly do that right up to the white. But I don't think it's going to be a straight up deal. I've always said that. I never believe that would be a straight up deal if the Nets and the Sixers work together. I never believe that. Now, what happens? We'll see. Most suspect it will, and both players will stay put for the rest of the year. That's what, that was what people thought coming into this. I never did. I'm not still saying it's not the end game that they're both going to stay poor. I'm, not, I, I, I'm just a little bit more open to the idea that both are going to get moved because I don't know either team's going to want to keep this, going, keep this uncertainty going. You know, if what was going on with the Nets, they're, they're floundering, they're falling off. It's not helping them. And the Sixers obviously are thriving, but I think they'd rather settle this because I think, you know, again, even though they're thriving, they're not stupid. They know they're not a championship team. They know they're not all, all there is a playoff team. They, they, if they can they get a deal done now, they potentially make themselves a championship team, championship team right now, then why wouldn't you do it? So, all these deals you've seen already could be building up to what would be the biggest, which would be obviously a deal involving Howard and or Ben Simmons. So, the NBA today, craziness. I never thought we'd see that we're seeing moved is crazy. Some of these deals just flat out don't make sense. And they're doing, as I said. And we could still have a big potential blockbuster mega deal that would probably, would, would probably go down to the biggest deals in NBA history of the trade deadline. If it gets done, if, if, if Harden gets traded, the best of is that they're probably one of the biggest NBA trades you've ever seen in season. I would, if not ever. It would be huge. And see a player with James Harden move two years in a row in season is crazy. But it could happen. It could happen. And then you call your kids around what the Knicks are doing. And the Lakers, there's all kinds of talk about the Lakers trade, about the Lakers trade, 
and Kemba Walker, Julius Randle. Obviously, this would be a lot of people wondering about Damian Lillard now, but since the McCollum trade came out of nowhere, now the McCollum's gone, and it doesn't look like they got a whole lot back. You would have been able to move Lillard right now, or they're going to wait for the offseason, because we all have to focus over there now. So, there was a lot, now, after today, a lot more storylines to open up. It's going to be an exciting 48 hours. The NFL has controversy going on right now. Meanwhile, the NBA is rocking the of all kinds of trades, even if they don't make sense, it makes for interesting discussions. My daughter agrees. She's yelling at the teddy bear. Um, but again, you know, the NFL has got a whole lot of negativity around it right now. In a week that's supposed to be all about celebrating the game. And, and honestly, um, building up to a, the, the, your biggest game of the year. But you got all these controversies, all this negativity. Meanwhile, the NBA is kind of scaring me all this, all this trade talk. So it's interesting. Very interesting. But you know what? It's exciting. And I guess it's stuff to talk about. And just so we, there's more stuff to talk about outside the NBA. I'm sure, like I just mentioned, the other week we talked about football. We start things off. The Super Bowl no less. The the point gate is back. We'll talk about how what's going on with that and why the NFL is in a lot of trouble with that. I was updating on the Brian Flores loss where things stand there. The NFL coaching carousel has a couple more players, uh, one of which kind of helps the NFL and the other one doesn't. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit as well. Um, and also we'll update you on MLB lockout. This could be a very big week. Week and you got potential for the lockout. There was a major turn this Sports will be right back.
Now, let's do the MLB stuff. So the NFL stuff we're gonna do a lot more. It's gonna take a lot more time. Um, this is a very big week for the major, major League Baseball lockout. Obviously, last um, last week the focus was on um, Major League Baseball. The commissioner had mentioned um, that they wanted to bring in a mediator to help out the um, to help end the lockout. And we all we talked about it. it was it was a PR stuff. That's what it was. They knew that the players weren't gonna go for it. Um, and, it, and, and we, we knew that we, we knew that the players weren't going to go for it. Um, it's just, they're trying to make it look like they're actually doing something more than they actually are. Uh, makes them try to look like, Oh, we're, see, we're ending it. We're, we're, you know, we, we want this to be over with. We don't want this to keep going on. Um, you know, it's just, it, 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 and they're hoping that the players cave or, or either the players would cave and say, ah, we want to make a now, or they're hoping that the um, so it makes them look good. Well, the players didn't agree to it, but I thought what I thought was interesting was, and I think maybe that, this is why I think this week is so big. I think this is why the owners are doing what they're doing this week. The owners are going to meet in Orlando this week. They're going to regroup. Now, I think it was said at what the U.S. Labor Secretary offered to help end the lockout. Obviously, the government doesn't want any, anything, you know, any business and money and everything, and that's what a lot of that would be, if you were starting some dangerous season, that's where a lot of people with jobs and you know, all that, you don't want any more of that. But, you know, the owners are going to be in, in, in the group. They were to sign on the next move. And I think what they did not have, obviously they knew the players weren't going to agree, but I think what they thought was going to happen was more fans, because that's, that's why they did it. They wanted to make it look like to the fans that they weren't the enemy, that the players were, they're the ones prolonging it. Well, that's not what happened. Normally, that's what would have happened. People would have bought a hook line. This time around, and that is very rare, but this time around, fans didn't buy it. They saw it right through it, and usually they don't, but they did. And I think the reason why is, I think the owners underestimated how much people do not like Rob Manfred. And this goes back to the cheating scandals and the way that he, you know, a lot of the things that he's done wrong, the way he came from the rule changes, the way he acts about baseball, he's calling the, the trophy a hunk of metal. He's had one problem after the other since he's been state commissioner. And people are down on baseball. People are down on baseball since Rob Manfred took commit the commissioner job. I know Bob Seelig, I know that Bob, Bob, Bob Seelig was no prince. Apparently he was no prince. He made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. But he was also an owner. He was involved in the game. And a lot of, and, 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 and Pete, you never about how they don't think Bud Selig likes baseball. Rob Manfred has this moniker now. And he doesn't love baseball. People do not believe that Rob Manfred likes baseball. They think he's just a figurehead, that he's just there, you know, to have And obviously he works for the owners. But people do not believe that he likes baseball. They think he hates the sport that he works for. And I think that he's made so many mistakes. And I, this is one instance where there's been so many really really bad scandals for baseball that are, and many people's eyes were handled so badly that going into this that I think it makes it hard for anybody to, and they know he worked for the owners so I think Manfred is the reason why the owners are screwed here because normally what they what happened last week going, to go, going after and saying hey, why don't you get a mediator 
Why can't the players just do it? That's not what happened this time. Fans jumped all over and said, oh, this is just Manfred doing a PR. So, oh, I don't believe Manfred. Man, oh, Manfred's just trying to... Everything turned on the owners because of Manfred. As long as Manfred's representing them, they're screwed. The fans are never going to buy... Never going to side with them because of the fact that they don't like Rob Manfred. They don't trust him. They don't like him. They, the guy hates the game. They're in, so so you, you, you these kind of games are not going to work anymore. They used to. They don't work now. That's where things stand right now with the, with the lockout. The, the fans saw through it. Obviously, the players were always, the fan, the players were always going to see through it. Always going to see through it. But now, the fans, have seen, the fans have seen through it. The owners now saw this thing blow up in their face. Now they come off of what the players did their best job. They were so, you have social media before for your lockout. Now you do. And the, the players are using it to get their message across saying, look, they, they have not negotiated anything with us. In order to go before a mediator, you have to actually propose something. We have nothing from them. They're not negotiating. They've never negotiated in good faith. They have taken the owners to task, and people are siding with the players. And the owners know it, and they know Manfred's not helping the cause. They have to regroup, and I think this is a... Remember, they did not have to lock out the players. They could have offered an extension. They could have done a lot of things. They could have worked through this thing while everything was still ongoing. The owners opted to lock out the players. And you wonder if maybe they're going to either go back. That's one thing they go out of. They can go back on that and say, we can working this out while we play games, while we have spring training, while we have free agency. We don't have to do it the way we're doing it. You wonder if maybe that's something that they do? Or if they say, you know what, all right, listen, we're going to wait spring training, we're going to get in the room, we're going to figure this thing out. Here's a proposal, whatever. You wonder if the earth, what, what the earth is going to be and what they're going to do. This is a huge week. If I, I, honest to God, the best thing that they could do it's come right out and say, all right, listen, we have big, a big divide here. And it can take a long time to resolve it. Baseball is not in economic shape to deal with losing baseball, losing games, even spring training games. Let's just end the lockout. Let's keep negotiating. Let's work this out while we're playing games, while we're, at, we're starting the season. If they do something like that, that to me, the best thing for everybody. Get a bad deal, and then something that's gonna make things even worse. That's what they should have done. But you know, we can't. You know, both sides have to have a pissing contest, and 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 and, and we all we saw it during the pandemic when our time is back to play. We know how they fight. We know what they do. We know what they do. We know what they do. All right. Both sides are just petty, and they don't want to help each other out. So that would be the best thing they could do. Or, or they say, hey, you know what, we have 72 hours to come up with a, with a, 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 a resolution. Never say, wait a minute, nobody has to do that. Well, well what's the Well, then you can, you can, you know, I, I'm not an advocate for this. I don't like ultimatums. But you can say, hey, we got 72 hours, or we're, we're, I hate to say this, but we can't just Give them a hard, hard stop and say, that we, 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 we can't just keep doing this. Get everybody there with the idea that we have to we have to make a deal this weekend or this week or something. Do something. Give them a timetable and then push something at the end saying if we don't get it done by this week, we're gonna 
we'll get done by this. We'll postpone the season. Give them something to speak to God to create urgency in my heart. Yes. If you keep doing this open, we might still like from prayer. We might still like the team. We might do this and this and that. Hard to understand. If we don't do this, Period. And the posture for something to happen. You've had plenty of time. Plenty of time to figure this out. You went on a lockout at the beginning of December. We're in the middle, almost the middle of February now. Two and a half months. You guys wasted the first month and a half doing absolutely nothing but playing tiddlywinks. And that's the fault of both sides. Sorry. I know the holidays. Um, you could have done some negotiating before the holidays, and you could have done some negotiating. But nobody said anything to anybody until the middle of January. And sit there and act like, oh, we don't have enough time. Well, you had time. You could also talk during the last season. You know, this all together. But nobody wanted to do that. So this is a big week this week. They're going to regroup. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. What they decide to do. The urgency that they show. And what they decide to do to determine whether we have a baseball on time or whether we risk losing the entire season. I honest to God think, if the owners fumble this, and they come out and decide to up the ante here, and draw and, and, and firmly plant their feet in the ground, and say, we're not budging on what we feel is right. If they come out and are defiant, and say, you know, and come off a proposal that doesn't come anywhere close to what the appointers want, or if they don't negotiate in good faith, I think they just could be so That because I think what they did last week exasperated tensions that were going away. Things were progressing really well, and they had that really bad meeting where where, where voices were raised, and then they come out with mediation crap, and it, it blew up in their face. And now, again, you have to start carefully here. You come out with the wrong, the wrong direction here. Then you. That's how crucial this week is. Well, that's how crucial this week is. So we'll see what the owners decide to do. And then what they do is going to determine this whole trajectory of this lockout. It really is. Now, the MLB has had a rough, rough, rough decade. The NFL? Not so much, right? Ratings up, revenue. They had a couple of bumps, but they've always been able to kind of overcome it and come roaring back. They said they're popular, right? They, 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 they bounce scandal and controversy off them, and it never seems to bother them. The whole, you know, taking a knee on the field thing, the whole um, the pandemic, the domestic violence, the everything. They, the, the point that everything. They, uh, cheating scale, spying, everything. They've always been able to bounce back from it and get even stronger. But you wonder if what's going on right now across the league is too much for even them. Because it's, it's, it's one thing to deal with one scandal at a time. Well, obviously, obviously, you know, they've dealt with one scandal before. But it's another thing 
another thing to deal with multiple scandals at once. Now, they went into this week, again, nightmare scenario, right? Nightmare scenario. You know, what happened last week with that lawsuit coming out, you know that they were sitting there going, oh, oh, we're screwed because this is going to play out during the Super Bowl. Not going to go away. You know, you saw other guys jump out of Marvin Lewis. Yeah, like all these guys are coming out of the woodwork we talked about last week. You know, and then, of course, the coaching carousel continues to move around. The guys that are being hired didn't help your cause either. You weren't really getting much in the way of minorities being hired as head coaches. Now, this week, had a couple go your way. You know, the 49ers hired... Um, Mike McDaniel, who's um, um, uh, a guy that nobody, I mean, I don't say nobody thought, I mean, people knew he was interviewing, but would have been a guy who would have thought they would have hired. Not the 49ers, I mean the Dolphins, I'm sorry. He's from the 49ers. 49ers offensive coordinator. Um, he is multiracial, so there is that. Um, so he's a minority candidate. Um, he's previously served offensive coach for four nights, assistant coach for the Dolphins, Browns, Redskins, and he's been around the league for a long time. He's very well respected. Very well respected. And he counts as a minority hire. But I get, but so, so it does kind of help the NFL a little bit. Okay. Uh, but it's not somebody that, you know, was on anybody's radar. I mean, I know they kind of regarded, but compared to some of the other choices out there, you know, kind of shook everybody, took everybody for a loop. Now, the Texans look like they're about to hire Lovey Smith. Now, Lovey Smith's been in the league before. Obviously, he was the Bears, but they're still with the Bears. Good head coach, African-American. That helps the league. That helps the league. Now, it's not, and I thought Brian Ford for sure was like a good guy. For sure. But he doesn't. But at least it went going to another African American head coach. So that helps the league. But then you look. Now the Vikings are still open. Vikings are still open. But the Saints are not. The Saints hired the defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, who's already on staff as the head coach. More for continuity. Um, you know, they wanted to go in house. They felt like that would be the best for them, given everything the camp and everything. I mean, it's a team that went to the uh, I'm going to the playoffs based on their defense. They lost their quarterback. They still came up with nine They became more of a defensive team, which is something that you don't expect with with New Orleans. So I, I get why they did it. Obviously, you know, I think people are hoping that maybe forwards can go here. Obviously, there's a lot. Of Kind of behind Brian Frost, because Brian Frost is the symbol of this whole, you know, hiring process movement here, where, you know, obviously minority candidates are not getting the right, a fair shake. Um, but I don't, I don't, at least with the Saints, it makes sense. You're promoting from within, and somebody, you, you want to maintain continuity. They felt like it was, they felt like it was, And they felt like it was important for Connie because they felt like they're almost a playoff team. Maybe they can continue to be a playoff team with somebody like this at the coaching position. But again, Connie was not something we expected, right? 
come play in his house. Everybody just went out and got Doug Peterson. Of course, Byron Russell took his name out of the running there. It's like you can't get all open about that one. Um, but all these coaching jobs are pretty much taken. Only one thing. Well, the Rangers might have Daniels, which I think is going to be a mistake. Um, so, so that's it. Vikings are a little luck. That's it. The Vikings are. Hey. Yeah, okay. Hey, the Vikings do have a head call. Damn, why did I forget that? So much stuff going on. Hard Kevin O'Connell. Hard Kevin O'Connell. Who is the Rams' offensive coordinator? Who obviously, um, you know, Rams always been known for their offense primarily. So that's that's not going to be higher for. I mean, for a team that's really struggling with offense. Now they did. They did try to. They did interview Jim Harbaugh. Um, just see what, again, I think Tim Harbaugh should be very selective. If he doesn't like what he hears, doesn't like what he sees, then he's not going to get the job. The fact that he took the Vikings interview tells you that he liked some of the things that they, he was seeing, but he wasn't, this wasn't enough. But, alright, again, so all the jobs are filled. All the jobs are filled. So, what do we add here? Um, what do we add here? Um, what do we add here? What do we add here? So I got what three? Four minority coaches in the NFL because Ron Rivera and obviously Mike Tomlin. That's it. Not great. And the guy that's reading the charge, I guess what's going on in the NFL in terms of minority representation, in in, in terms of coaches and whatnot, Brian Forrest gets locked out of all the jobs. We talked last week. We wondered if maybe the lawsuit would almost intimidate people to hire him. Really, it didn't. Or something somewhere. I mean, we'll see if he, if, if anybody, if, if he mentions any other teams during this process. He's already mentioned. He's already mentioned a couple already, as we all know. But again, you got this whole situation with the hiring process in the NFL. Now you got all the coaching jobs filled, and only a couple went to minority candidates. So that kind of highlights, right? I mean, a couple did go to minority candidates, but most these jobs didn't. And some of these jobs went to people that weren't even on anybody's radar. Which, may, which, which, you know, it's going to make people wonder. Again, I'm not trying to force people to hire somebody just to say, oh, look, I hired some African-American, I hired a minority. No. That's not the way it should be. You hire the best person for the job. But you can't tell me a guy like Brian Flores or a guy like Eric Bannon, guys like that are not qualified for these jobs. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me that. And that's almost what some of these teams are trying to tell you. Tell you. And again, that's what the problem is. Institutional racism. People think that that's it involving the NFL. They just love all the lot of aspects of our lives. And they're right. And they're right. But that's the problem. And that's the problem the NFL's had for years. And now it's being brought 
to the spotlight in a way never before seen. With opponents willing to burn bridges and possibly risk never getting a head coaching job again because he wants to see change. And you respect him for that. And sometimes that's what it takes is somebody going on the limb. Colin Kaepernick did that. And now he's trying to Come stepping up and, and supporting him, which I which you appreciate. You know, laugh, and, and, and then there's another aspect of the lawsuit besides just the hiring process and It's a tanking aspect. We, that whole Miami Dolphins situation where, where supposedly Stephen Ross, Larry, a Dolphins owner, offered to pay Brian Flores to uh, to lose games. Because they wanted a better draft pick. And then you heard you know Hugh Jackson come out and say that he saw he he had a similar situation. Hugh Jackson had accepted any money because obviously he only won one game in two years there. I wonder if Hugh Jackson was going to clarify if he did. He said he never accepted money, never did it. But you do wonder if anybody else around the league has done that. And this is where you start to get into trouble as a league. This is where baseball got into trouble. Competitive integrity. Once people doubt the results of your game or the competitive integrity of your game, you start to lose them. Baseball, it started, it started with the steroid era. Where you thought, oh, so many people were on, on things that you thought was a little playthrough, so people kind of got over it. You got past that. But then you dive into sign stealing and the whole situation with the Astros and the Red Sox and then sticky stuff. And then you get into baseball juicing balls because they went up, up home runs around the league. Well, pitchers are complaining about home runs. So then you stop juicing balls. Baseball and claiming that you're not doing it, which is upsetting players but also upsetting fans. So the fans don't know what's real and what's not. When you start, when the fans start to question everything about the game, competitive integrity, question the results, question you know baseballs and stuff like that, you run into a problem. Definitely start to lose. You start to lose them. The NFL has managed to get, get past almost every single controversy thrown in their path. But things like tanking and now things like the flake game, which has now made a return. No, the flake game. You're manipulating the footballs. Okay? The same thing as with baseball gets accused of manipulating baseball. That affects the game. It affects results. It affects player numbers. It affects a lot of things. And it hurts the integrity of the game if fans can't trust that, th that things are on the up and up. And you wonder now. Because that was the big news over the weekend. That was the big news. The Floyd Gate made a comeback. A book was written. A book was written um, by um, uh, it's called Playmakers. How the NFL really works and it does it. Uh, the book was written by Mike Florio of NBC Sports. Um, in the book, NFL Executive VP of Football Operations Troy Vincent leaked the this information to ESPN. Um, what what what, what misinformation? Um, all right, so let me just read you this. Okay, in January 2015, the Flake gave from a quiet league investigation to a nationwide threatening to an erroneous by at least two pounds. The report was really defunct, but nonetheless sparked an immediate wildfire controversy that enveloped the Patriots in the 
week, the NFL levied the unprecedented punishments against the team, and Tom Brady for allegedly deflating game football, despite the fact that following the ideal handoff, the air pressure that goes in the actually decreased during game point in cold weather. According to a release excerpt from an, of an upcoming book, Playmakers, How the NFL Really Works and Doesn't, NFL Executive VP of Football Operations, Troy Vincent, Let's go get this money, man. Let's um, get this. Not later. Now. Sorry, folks. Uh, we have initial misinformation. The book written by Amy Kiss was much further. The statement of written known in Lively and Spanish. That's why I provide more evidence that we sought to punish the Patriots for conducting an honest and scientific investigation. Because the following season, the NFL started conducting air pressure checks to half time barricade. None of the data collectors ever made public. According to Florida, Florida that was intentional. In his reporting, first source, when now is the situation, as reporting playmakers, the NFL expunged the numbers that have had direct order for the source of NFL general counsel Jeff Pass. Why would the league delete the numbers? It's simple. For cold days, numbers were too close to the actual numbers generated by the women's football at halftime of the first game against the Colts. This means the numbers generated at halftime of January 2015's AFC not evidence of cheating. Well, the normal operation of air pressure instead of rubber, rubber bladder when the temperature drops, just as it was expected. Corey Raider writes, emailed the league offering up to respond to the reporting NFL electric did not apply. So basically, they covered it up. They covered it up. They sought to punish the Patriots instead of investigating the situation for So again, Doesn't happen with the footballs. You know, are these numbers accurate? Do these numbers happen no matter what? Or is this is there really a problem here? We don't. You, it, again, there's just too much uncertainty here. Is this what happens to footballs in cold weather? Are these the kind of numbers? Okay, if that's the case, then why not release the numbers in the reporting so they you could say, all right, there was no cheating involved. Why just why not why just go right to punishing the Patriots? Or is that not the number? And you, you covered it up by acting like it was a, 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 not, a, a not a huge deal, but you decided to punish them. You, you, you said not everything was handled the right way. So the point it comes back to the forefront. You got, obviously, the, the, the whole thing about the coaching, how you're in the NFL. And you got the tanking aspect of it. So now, again, you got issues of Integrity, cheating, underhanded dealings, cover-ups in your sport. So the question is this. The question is this. Is this finally what causes the NFL a hurdle that's too big to overcome? That leads to significant change? That leads them down a path that other sports are going down that time? Where they go through a little bit of a rut? You have to climb out of it. Does this lead them down a path like baseball, where all of a sudden you go down a very bad path and lose your status as number one sport in the country? Or does, do you, does your fan base start to roll because of this? That's the question. Something's eventually got to give here. So it's going to eventually be something where fans start to question why they should still be a fan of this league. It hasn't happened yet. But when it starts, but when people sit down to watch a game, and they start to question if things are being handled the right way, wait, are is this team really playing to win, or are they taking the game on purpose for some reason? 
people start to ask those questions, whether they're in person at the stadium or watching from television at home, especially in this day and age where VS sports betting is a thing, that, folks, is when you start to lose. Everybody started to, but then people reconciled and said, ah, it's all right because everybody's doing it. It's the feeling with that most players were doing something. And then you have things like pace of play and shifts and stuff hurt the game because offense was down. People weren't that interested in the game anymore. And then you get to things like sign stealing, the Astros cheating scandal, the Red Sox. Juicing the baseballs. Not juicing the baseballs. Trying to dictate these games underhandedly. In an era of sports betting, mind you. Again, I, I sit down with fans all the time to watch baseball games. And a lot of them sit there and they say, I still love baseball, but boy, I, when I was a baseball game, I'm always struggling with what I saw was legit or not. You know, was that team tanking? Could have done to win the game and they didn't. Or, you know, boy, home runs are up this year. Is the, is the ball being juiced again? If so, that's, you're screwing with guys' careers. You're screwing with teams and what, you know, a team, uh, you know, an organization builds a team to be a certain way for the season, thinking that, all right, you know what? We have to, you know, we have to have good pitching, we have to do this, we have to, and it now ends up being a home run year. And all of a sudden, your pitchers can't. Out of the stadium, or you decide, oh, the balls aren't the balls aren't flying out of the ballpark like last year. Balls aren't flying out of the ballpark as much. You built you, know, you built a team of home run hitters, and all of a sudden the ball isn't coming in, 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 in the ballpark because the balls aren't You don't think fans notice these things? Fans read the game and say, "Yeah, you know, there's a couple teams baseball now. People can't hit home runs. Right? That's not good." And what if football gets to that point, people are wondering if the team is tanking. And people are wondering if the football is over a certain time, or if, 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 if that deflation is even a thing. If it was just, if, if people wonder now if that was just something that blew up for no reason whatsoever. Because if they investigated it, they would have found it wasn't a big deal. They would have found that it was really just about the weather or something. Or maybe it was a thing, which most people think it was. Because the fact that something needs to cover it up. Why would you still need to cover it up? If it wasn't something. And if it was something and you covered it up, then it's underhanded dealing. And there was, there was a pretty good cheating scam. And wonder if it ever happened. If it's ever happened before, if it's still happening. These are all things that hurt the foundation of the sport. And when that happens, when things start to erode at the foundation of the sport, you get what's happening in baseball. And it's not good. Well, NFL ever get to that point? It's hard to tell because baseball got to that point after years and years and one scandal after the other. But this is the first time I can honestly say I don't think it's going to The NFL's been like Teflon. They've been able to bounce these things back. They can't bounce these things back. There's too, there's too much going on at once now. And it's happening at the worst possible. And of course, it would happen. This is because, you know, when people release books and things leaking and stuff, they always. 
when it, it, the spotlight is at its best because that's when you get the most attention. Right? You're playing a story, you write a book or something, you at the best possible time to get the most attention. And what, what better time right now for the NFL, right? Super Bowl. Well, I actually got a book that's the best game in the NFL. Best time we said right now because that's when all eyes are on the NFL. Yeah, actually, the lawsuit was just Timing for the NFL, but it's, it's no better time to shine white on it, really, if you think about it. For the NFL, when you're supposed to be celebrating, you're supposed to be celebrating the sport. A great year, great playoff. A great playoff. Two great teams in this game for great stories. Star power. Mediocrity. And getting to the uh, on a national stage. One of the biggest stars on a grand stage. Bob Miller back in the Super Bowl. Obviously very talented. Cooper Cop on the rising star. On the Bengals side, rising star. Joe Burrow, who's become the next big quarterback. And a great Cinderella story with the Bengals. The focus should be on the game. The two teams. Like I said, the NFL's been fortunate that since the flake game, they haven't had Super Bowl. They didn't have to deal with the game with their Super Bowl week. And ironically, here comes the flake game again. On top of the loss, everything goes with that. Now look, come Friday, it happens no matter what the scandal, no matter what the controversy. The attention will shift to the game. The fans will make sure of that. Come Friday, people will be like, oh, you know what, I'm down on the lead, but you know what, I'm going to focus on the game. It's going to shift. It will shift out of its own. But then once you get beyond the game on Sunday, once you get beyond the immediate aftermath of the game on Monday, Come Tuesday, the focus will go back to the issues facing the team. And normally, it's a full week. It's focused on the two teams that are playing the game. And the NFL, of course, will get some focus because they're going to talk about what they're going to face in the offseason and whatnot. But that's not what's going on this year. The NFL is going to mess out its hands this year. But they got to they gotta deal with it. And on the week that you would not want to deal with it, when you're supposed to be celebrating the league. You know, there's been various controversies and scandals over here. Some league, league of the week time and some of the team time. You know, sometimes you got two teams making decisions. Sometimes reporters report on things involving some of the players that you know happened in the past, and sometimes that's kind of scandal. League wide ones don't happen that often during the Super Bowl period. <laughs> Excuse me, but this year. League ride controversies. Not good. Not what you want. We're going to take a break. We come back. I want to hear from you. Your thoughts, reactions, comments, what's going on. Let's hear from you. Your thoughts on all the plus. If there's anything else out there you want to bring to the table and talk about, all fair game missions or sports breaks.
All right, we're back. So let's see what's on your mind. I haven't seen a lot going on. Very busy day across the world of sports. Very busy week. Um, I really think the NFL's in trouble here. You're right. When you have not one but two multiple scandals facing you, and it doesn't see, and, and, and I don't think the league ever takes situations like this seriously. You're able to just pass almost every single thing tossed at them. They don't recognize the seriousness of this. Actually, every single controversy that they've dealt over the last 20, 30 years has been serious. Just that they think they're above it all, and they think that no matter what, people are never going to let anything interfere with their love of football. Well, this time around, you're questioning in a lot of ways the integrity of the league and the integrity of the games you're watching. And when it gets back down to that, and you also start bringing more and more of the, of the racism aspect of it, that constantly gets swept under the rug, even though every once in a while it gets reported on. I just see this as being something that's much bigger than the NFL. Believes, much bigger than the NFL believes this. I think this is going to be just a thing that caused the NFL to start doing some of this muster for this momentum that it's had for a good 20, 30 years. But that being said, do you think that at any point in this, the Rodgers of Dallas stock are not being in jeopardy? No. No, I don't think good Dallas stock. No. 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 Not all he's done, as far as Look, I don't like Goodell. I think Goodell, I, honest, I, and I know this is going to sound awful, I think he's a slime ball. I really do. I, I do not like Roger Goodell at all. I never have, I never will. Um, I just don't. Um, but he's, he's, you know, just like we think the league is tougher, he's tougher. The owners love him. You know, he's, he's, he's ensured that the players don't get anything here. Everything's really to the owner's benefit. Profits are off, revenues off, off, you know, all the things that they've done with TV deals. Badly, he bungles things, and how badly they deal with scandals and controversies, and you know they're going to deal with these, what they're dealing now probably in the worst possible way. They're going to half the ass, and they're going to give a give a little here and there to make it look like they're actually doing something. They're not doing nearly as much as they should be doing. But he's going to get by with it. I'm not saying the league's not going to take a hit. I think the league finally will take a hit here. I really do. There's too much going coming at them at once. It's hard not to. But I don't think in any way that Goodell, unless where he did something like really, really, really bad. Like he knowingly covered certain aspects of certain things up. On his own. Okay? Like not the, just the whole league, but, but him on his own? Because of where he was personally involved? I don't see him losing his position here. I really don't. I really don't. Any chance you think the baseball owners sacrifice Rob Manfred in order to in order to better represent themselves here in this lockout? Boy, all the commissioner all the all the commissioner questions today. People want to go down the want to Manfred. You know, that's a good that's a look, look, more than enough to get rid of Manfred. We talked about this a lot the last couple of years. Oh, because he, he hasn't done them any favors with the cheating, the way he's handled these cheating scandals and whatnot. You're right, he hasn't. I don't know if this. I mean, the only way I could see Manfred getting knocked out here is if the owners end up giving up and conceding a lot during this lockout, which I don't think they will. Because I, I, I said this before, I'll say it again. I know the players want to get back some of what they lost in the last few CBA deals. You can't get it all back at once. You're not going to. You have to take a little bit, 
get, get some of that back now. And then next time around, try to get more of it back. And it, it, it's a process, right? The owners didn't get all of it in one, in one contract. It happened over time. Um, so that's the way you gotta look at it. But, but like, if somehow the owners lost a lot in, like, one deal, or they felt like, you know, and, and, and they feel like Manfred played a critical role in that, then that might do it. And maybe this, maybe this is where it's going to be. Maybe the owners look back on this lockout whenever it's over and say, boy, you know what? We would have been in the position we were in. This thing would have ended up the way it did if, 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 if the fans were so down on Manfred. And because the idea is if you have somebody different as commissioner, I don't know if the fans would have thought through what, they, what, 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 uh, what Manfred and the owners did last week. I don't think they would have. I don't think we saw it as, oh, wow, the league's trying to end this. I don't know if the players agree. That's usually what happens. But these people hate Manfred so much that they, 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 they don't believe a single word that comes out of his mouth. And it just seemed like it came from Manfred. They, were, they weren't going to buy into it at all. So you can see a situation where the owners are like, gee, Manfred really hurting us here. We have to get rid of him in the middle of the lockout because we got enough stuff going on. It's one of those things you might look back on once it's over and go, you know what, we were in a different spot if it wasn't for Manfred. Could this lead to him being Austin potentially? Potentially. I don't think they'll do it right in the middle of the lockout. Um, so. What are the chances that McCollum being down leads to the being doubt before the deadline? I don't think there's enough time. If this happened a week and a half or so ago, I think it's possible. But, I mean, I'm not saying they won't feel calls, but unless you can get something together really quick. I mean, I, I saw people on social Thinking maybe a Damian Lillard deal being somehow involved with this Simmons Harden stuff that's going back and forth, and that would make this even an even more historic deal if it ends up going through. Because even Lillard, Harden, Simmons, holy crap! Uh, but I, I just don't think I just don't think there'll be enough time. Remember Lillard, you know they might. Yeah, I don't know influence over it. Yeah, there's availability influence over it. But I I like to think Portland would do that. Like okay, well let's say you get three going here or there, but that's how long he's been there. Or um, but I mean, I, I think there's a little bit more, uh, more involved with moving Lillard than there is with McCollum, right? So, it'll take a little bit longer, and I don't think there's enough time right now. I mean, if McCollum was traded last week, I think he could have saw it coming. Maybe. There's not enough teams desperate, but I, I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't. But the way that the Lakers are handling Russell Westbrook, And Julius Randle. Where do you see where do you see these guys potentially? Well, I think I think I think the Knicks and the Lakers, I've always said it's a, you know, I don't know, I know they probably don't like the trade return, but I, I, I think that they can help each other. Sometimes you, you know you got you got two, both teams have issues, right? And they both have te- guys now they clearly like around. They clearly mix up Delvin Randall, he's a couple problems. You you any any good fortune any good safety he's supposed to a scenario with the Lakers at one point. I could see a scenario here where maybe the Knicks and the Lakers match up and say, all right, we'll trade you, you know, assuming that Randall, Randall De'Aaron Fox can't be a thing. Because obviously there's some, been some talk there between the Knicks and the Kings. But that's not a thing. I could see a scenario where maybe, maybe the Lakers say, all right, you give us, you give us, we'll do a deal, we'll trade you roughly Randall, Fournier, and um, 
Okay. But it gives them a little bit more depth. Get a little bit of insurance for Anthony Davis a little bit. Good on a team like that. Fournier is better as a guy. Remember, Le LeBron's team did very well with, with shooters, right? They always do. You always have to have a shooter on LeBron James. Very well opposite LeBron James. Fournier, I think, would benefit from LeBron James. I don't think that would help the Lakers a lot. They could use another shooter. So I think that could work. Now, again, I don't know if it matched up quite like that, but they, they both have pieces that are disgruntled that they can move. And Wes would go to a team where he could take over and be a dominant guy again and do his own thing and, you know. And he likes to play running, running up and down the floor, and not slow and methodical. And, and you know, Thibodeau would like that, I think. So, he's a kind of point guy that could drive off of Thibodeau. So, I could see something like that happening. I think the Knicks and Lakers could help each other here. I do. Now, other than that, I don't know. I mean, you know, the Knicks are working a lot with the Kings, but that doesn't seem to be a thing. I don't think they're getting help anybody in the division. So, I don't know. I don't know where else they can go. I really don't. So, I, I mean, I just keep thinking the Knicks and the Lakers are the perfect partner to trade with right now. You know, they seem like the best match. Otherwise, I don't know if anybody can get anything else done here. So, I don't think they're going to change the line of those guys. Or I have the availability to pick up any of those guys. I'm going to take one more. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't want it to be repetitive. Okay, two-part question. Do you see any of the players move today potentially being dealt to another team before Thursday's deadline? And what do you? What would you say is the absolute? Last possible deadline to prevent a delay of the baseball season. I would take the baseball question first. I would say this because you probably need you need the free agent period. You need at least I would say ten days, ten to fourteen days, to finish out the off season and player movement and that kind of thing, right? And I don't. The, the spring training thing to me is the weird thing because normally players like six weeks, right? That's ideally what they want. You look at when they start in mid-February, yeah, they play spring, but they, 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 but they build up their arms, they get obviously limited time on the field. So, like, you see, pitchers and catchers play on Valentine's Day, and they play, like, exhibition for about a month. So, obviously, you're going to want about four, maybe six weeks for spring training. So, you probably need about two months. Now, could you condense that a little bit? I guess you could. And maybe say, hey, whoever's already signed with the team, you know, We'll start, you can say, hey, we're going to start spring training at the end of the week. Whoever signed for team reports, if you're not signed for team, we're going to do a free agency that while spring training is already going on. And then as soon as you sign for team, you have to report. You can do something like that. I don't know if they would do that. Obviously, we have never done this before, but I honestly think that would be the smartest thing because then you're not wasting time. You're not wasting two weeks where it's the 
players that I've already signed are sitting around doing nothing. So to me, that would be the, the thing to do is, hey, anybody that signed, as soon as you get going, you can say, all right, you're signing, you report to camp. Beginning of the week, or maybe say after a couple of days, you report to camp. Start your spring training, and anybody that's not signed, you know, you work through the process during the spring training, and then, you, you know, if anything, it offers incentive to people to sign quickly and get to camp quick. So that while you got spring training going on, you got, I mean, you got the free agency trade market going on, and people get settled to where they're going to go, then they report to camp. And then that means that some guys will be further behind, but at least you're not delaying things. Unnecessarily, and I know it hurts Congressman a little bit because you guys are not going to rest on a certain guy in that, but still, I just think that's probably the best case scenario, but I don't know if they consider that. It seems like what they want to do is have a period for free agency and whatnot to finish the offseason and then go into spring training, which I think is kind of stupid because you don't, you're, you have a lot of guys just sitting on their hands that are already signed to the team. But that's what they're going to do. So, I honestly, guys, look at it, you probably need about two months. So, I mean, around two months. So, I mean, I, I honestly got to think that if they, don't, if they don't get a deal done by, like, the 23rd to 22nd of February, then the season's going to be delayed. We'll have some momentum towards the deal by that point. Then the season's going to be delayed. That's what I think. Now, your other question, do I see any the players that were moved this morning potentially being moved again? Uh, I don't know if there's no time for that unless you already had something in mind you knew you were going to get that player, and you're already kind of reaching out to somebody, um, you know, maybe it was a deal on official or something, and you already reached out to somebody, and you already have some general. I mean, it, it could happen. I, I don't know if I expect it. I do think there's potential for some of the players to be moved in the offseason, like McCollum and Sabonis. You know, if Sabonis isn't happy there, or, you know, maybe they could put the out. I don't think that kind of player would do that, but, you know, McCollum could end up being moved if they So, I mean, I think in the off season it's certainly possible. I don't think there's enough time for any of these guys to move again before the deadline on Thursday. You almost, I mean, if you, I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 again, it's just not, I don't see enough time. So. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we wrap things up. You're listening to the Sports Threat. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back. So we had a very busy show today. Um, we are back on track for the rest of the week. Uh, tomorrow I'll be our next show at our normal time slot at 2 o'clock time. So join us for that. We should have more on the NBA trade deadline as we approach Thursday's deadline. Anything else that pops up in from the world of sports, we'll talk about it. Um, will be another sports sprint two o'clock and we have no show on Thursday, so keep that in mind. Um, again, tomorrow, again, to next week's schedule and beyond. Uh, we'll have us. We'll have some announcements coming up the rest of the week as well, and then there's other things that, like I said, we're planning to do yesterday that we'll do throughout the rest of this week here. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, we'll have updates on the app coming soon. Updates. Um, so with that being said, we are done. As always, it's because we're done talking too long. It's not like we're done talking. I want to continue to interact with your feedback, any questions you have about the show, topic ideas, things you want us to cover more, cover at all. Um, you know, obviously, just campus in general, as long as it's not that's offensive or disrespectful. You can do all this and more anytime. Facebook and Twitter to do that. Um, obviously, on our Facebook and Twitter, before every show, we post live links. Any of our shows, should you miss a show, or if you want to listen to an episode again, just scroll on our Facebook feed or our Twitter feed down to whatever the date is of the episode you're looking for, and there'll be a link there, it'll be labeled there, you can click on it, and click the link in the episode you're looking for. And if that doesn't work for you, if you're looking to catch up on an episode or listen to an episode again, you can always go to our main host site. You'll find an archive there that has all of our network of shows, sports, from sports, timing, entertainment, for and all down there for you to listen to at any time. All labels, dates, show titles, all there for you to listen to anytime you want. Um, if you want to catch up on episodes and listen to that again, there's just a link at the top of the page. So that's all the important information you always need to know. I'm trying to cut down the reminders because it gets real too wordy sometimes. People get annoyed. So I'm trying to cut that back a little bit. Um, all right, again, for the rest of the week. Next show, tomorrow, Sports Sprint, 2 o'clock Eastern, our normal time slot on a Wednesday. Hope you'll tune into that. And then we have another Sports Sprint on Friday at 2 o'clock Eastern, no show at all on Thursday. So that's scheduled for the rest of the week. We are back on track. Thank you for your patience for yesterday's postponement and for joining us today on this special Tuesday show. Hope you enjoy. Hope you got a lot. It's been a very busy day. And so All right, so with that being said, folks, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here for the Sports Sprint tomorrow at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time as we continue our Super Bowl week coverage along with our NBA trade deadline coverage. Join us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Have a good one, everyone.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.